Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This Sunday, two Sundays before the Feast of the Nativity, the Feast of Christmas, we commemorate the Holy Forefathers of Christ. And on December 17th, 17th, we commemorate the Holy Prophet Daniel and the three holy youths. If you had any question as to whether I was going to preach on a prophet this morning, uh, as I have been over the past few months, well, if you were a betting man, you probably would have won some money. The Holy Prophet Daniel, of course, is my namesake, was born and named for this particular prophet. He is one of the first prophets that we have encountered that is post-exile, in the very beginning of the book of Daniel. We hear how God gives up Israel and Jerusalem to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, or the Chaldeans. The Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. This reminds us of the time when the Philistines had stolen the Ark of the Covenant when we talked about the prophet Samuel. Israel has been shamed has been broken in fact the very articles of the temple have been brought into the heart of Babylon we have Daniel and the three holy youths who are spoils of war for Nebuchadnezzar as he takes over the land of Israel takes the best youth to come and reform them to assimilate them to make them into his own This is a very dark beginning for a prophetic book. That God himself allows Israel to be taken into captivity, into exile, even the things of the temple brought into the house, the treasure house of a foreign God. But throughout this book, the theme of the prophet Daniel is that God is the king of all nations that he rules over all, even as Israel is in exile, as Israel is ashamed, as Israel has been put down. God maintains his faithfulness. We read in the first chapter of the book of Daniel, the way that Nebuchadnezzar takes these youth, Daniel, Ananias, Azarias, and Mishael, or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And he takes them and he educates them in the language and literature of the Chaldeans. He takes their minds and he shapes it according to the Babylonian culture. Not only does he shape them and educate them and teach them what they should want, desire, and know, he also gives them food from his own table. It says king's delicacies and fine wine is what is offered. He then trains them. This was not just taking them and then reforming them and just letting them go free, but now they're being assimilated into the empire. Daniel and the three youth were being formed into and shaped 
to be able to serve Babylon. You can think as children, we hear this in the Psalms, the memory of Israel was burned into their head by their parents, singing the Psalms, saying that they would never forget Jerusalem. And here they are being raised far, far away from home without their parents, where they're taught how to speak, how to act, how to dress, what to eat, what to do. This would seem that this assimilation would be complete, right? Like the Babylonian Borg, right? Resistance is futile. There's nothing that you can do. But what do we hear about Daniel and the three holy youth? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Daniel and the three youth choose to eat vegetables and water. They have access to the finest foods, the best wines, the king's table, and they refuse it. Now, this chief steward, this chief eunuch, he is concerned because it also tells us that Daniel and the three youths were very pretty. They were very beautiful, and they needed to maintain their looks. They needed to eat the meat. They needed to drink the wine. But Daniel says, give me 10 days, just vegetables and water. 10 days of vegetables and water and fasting. We see when the king comes, Nebuchadnezzar comes to be able to sort out and filter through and test those that he's forming. That Daniel and the three holy youth stand out in all matters of wisdom and understanding. In fact, it tells us for the 10 days, and maybe this is every day it increases, they were 10 times beyond all the magicians and astrologers in the kingdom. In a land far away from home, in a world that was attempting to completely transform them, Daniel and the three youth stick to the law. Daniel and the three holy youth obey God's law and maintain their purity even while in exile, where they had no parents, no one else around, where they could be free to just completely dissipate into that culture. They do not lose their identity. They are offered dainties, delicacies. They are offered wine. They are offered a free path up to the highest echelons of society. They are even renamed and given a different name. If there could be a possible path of complete transformation, of forgetting where they come from, this was it. But what does Daniel and the three youth stand and do? They reject the delicacies, the dainties. They do not lose their identity in the face of all that is dangled before them, they maintain their faith. We have just a chapter later 
where Nebuchadnezzar, and we, we notice a trend with Nebuchadnezzar as we do with most tyrants. Nebuchadnezzar really likes himself. Nebuchadnezzar likes himself so much that he decides a giant golden statue of himself is a really great idea. And so he builds it and he puts it out. And it's not just, look, everybody, let's look at this grand golden statue. Doesn't it look nice? My nice plated beard, you know? Thank you. <laughs> what we have is that he gathers everyone. The Septuagint, there's two different versions of Daniel that I'll reference later. In the Septuagint, we have that Nebuchadnezzar is over all the lands from India to Ethiopia. That Nebuchadnezzar brings together all, and the text is kind of funny in this constant repetition. This is this long list. Administrators and judges and everybody. He wants everybody to come and they're going to worship the idol. They're going to worship him. Because, of course, he needs to project himself and even put self-admiration in physical form. And the text tells us at least three times, Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Which is fascinating. Like, self-worship, but you've got to do all the work, right? Idols. This is the classic critique of Israel and the, prof- the prophets. This idol, what is it? It doesn't eat. It doesn't breathe. It's not alive. So all come, and it tells us, all of these instruments. There's just this grandiosity in the text, right? Xylophones, stringed instruments. I'm making up the xylophone. But things like this, right? All sorts of things. And everybody obeys. You can just see him in the back with it, you know, like, yes. The plan is going according to how I want it. Everybody loves me. But he hears word the Ananias, Azarias, Mishael, they have not bowed before the golden statue, the idol. And Nebuchadnezzar, he's got a real anger problem. The text constantly talks about his red hot anger. Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Ananias, Azarias, and Mishael. And he brings them before him and he says, you know, is this true that you're not going to serve my gods or worship me? And every time I put out this great music that everyone loves and everyone just bows down before, what's the problem? Get with the program. The response from the three holy youth is, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's quite a statement. We don't need to talk. We don't need to. No. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Because not only can Nebuchadnezzar desire for everybody to worship him, but he's also like every nice tyrant. He's got his solution, right? If you don't worship, you go into the fiery furnace. So they say, we're not afraid of this fiery furnace. God will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if God does not deliver us, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. How are they able in the face of all, can you imagine the peer pressure, the cultural pressure? Just do it, man. It's not that big of a deal. The music isn't that bad. Just bow down. In your heart, you can just say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not really doing this, but I'm going to do it. 
Think about this. The three holy youth have been prepared for this, for obedience to God's law. In their fasting, in their keeping to vegetables and water and not partaking of the delicacies of the dangled things in front of them. This is what you should do. Everything will be great and grand. We'll take care of you as long as you submit. The three holy youth and their preparation and obedience to God's law by fasting are able through vegetables and water to be prepared for the pressure, the peer pressure, and for ultimately the fire. Nebuchadnezzar, full of red-hot anger, takes this fiery furnace and he pumps it up to seven times the heat. The men who go to throw in the holy youth die because of the heat. And right before this, as they stand before this flame, and if you're used to reading the book of Daniel in the Masoretic text or most Protestant Bibles, you don't get this. But there's an entire song sung by one of the three holy youth that is a song of repentance that even though they have transgressed the law, even though they are in exile, even though they are sinners, that they will be faithful. That God will deliver them And as soon as they sing this song, they are thrown into the flames. Nebuchadnezzar is very proud of himself. But he's astonished because he sees within the flame, not three, but four. And he asks, didn't we just throw three men? Why do I see four? And the men answer him, we see four men loose, walking around in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The three holy youth, in their faithfulness, and as we have depicted it in the icon before us, the angel of the Lord, as you can see, he has a halo. And what is in his halo but the signs that he is the one, Ho'on, that he is the Messiah, that we have Christ himself in the midst of the flames, walking around as if they were in the Garden of Eden. You would think as they're being cast in the fire, they would be silent. Again, going to Septuagint Daniel, do you know what they do when they enter into the flames? We have, and this is something that we do ourselves, we participate On Holy Saturday, we sing the song of the three holy youth. As Christ himself is trampling down death by death in the grave, we sing the song of the three holy youth, who do not just sing, they don't sing a song of repentance, they sing a cosmic praise. The trees, the stars, the moon, the sun, And it just goes on and on and on of everything praising God as the flames rise up around them. This is the God that they knew. This is the God that they served. This is the God who even, if you think about this, this is the God who had allowed Jerusalem to be destroyed. 
This is the God who allowed them to be put into exile and that they stay faithful to. In the smallest of things, in food, into the face of death itself, they maintain their faithfulness. And it is God himself, Christ himself, who shows up in the midst of the flame. That God is king even amidst the red-hot anger of tyrants and of those in this world who do not understand, who do not know, and will do everything in their power to make one submit or even to destroy them. When they pull the three youth out, they saw the fire had no power, not a hair on their head was singed, and you would know because burnt hair smells really bad. There's not even a smell of fire on them. And Nebuchadnezzar, as he does this throughout many times in the book of Daniel, he sings a hymn of glory to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of Ananias, Azarias, and Mishael. But this tyrant doesn't really get it because he says everyone should worship this God. You know how he ends it? I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of these three holy youths shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there's no other God who can deliver like this. Nebuchadnezzar does not learn his lesson. Nebuchadnezzar still wants to burn everything around him. Nebuchadnezzar is still so obsessed throughout the book of Daniel with himself that he, as he walks around one day a few chapters later, glorying in all of his glory, God has to say, okay, you have not learned your lesson for the first multiple times. I showed you what your dreams meant. I delivered the three youths. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is made to walk around and act like an animal. He's returned to a state that he's supposed to be above for him to be able to repent. So brothers and sisters, as we hear about the three holy youth and their faithfulness and the purpose that Daniel made in his heart from the very beginning entering into exile, let us strive to maintain our faith and our identity in a land of exile, in a land that seeks to shape and form us and offer us all sorts of things. But it's exactly through the very small practices of the faith and faithfulness to them that we keep Christ and the scriptures ever before our eyes, that we say our prayers, that we come to confession, that we keep as much as is in our power and in our physical abilities to keep the fasts, and the feasts of the church, that we in exile here keep the song of Jerusalem in our heart, so that if it was ever a possibility of flame, of fire, of death, that we know and have practiced our hearts to, to pronounce and to witness that God is king, even in the midst of all adversity, while others around us turn and worship the idols of the age, And while it may mean and seem to be utterly depressing that we can have the example of the Holy Prophet Daniel and the three holy youth, that we sing in exile, that we sing in the fire, that we sing to the Creator God who enters into our own exile 
in order to return us home. That we sing to the God who enters into the flame in order to deliver us. This is what we hope for. This is what we pray for. This is what God has done from time immemorial to those who are faithful to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.